lights, camera. We have an important mission for you, and you cannot decline it. For if you don't win this one, you may die. <laughs> Roll the intro. I have no song. I don't even know what to say. This is like off. Well, see, you need to have a I'm just uh, gonna do uh, weird uh, dance. Uh, a, a real big song, like a real big popular song, right? It's, so you need like the most poppy original song that's coming in. So, uh, 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 I'm a Barbie girl. In the, oh wait, but, don't want to get copyrighted. No, so. no, you don't want to get copyrighted on that. But I do appreciate. I'm a, I. I'm a Mattel boy. In a He-Man world, <laughs> life in grade school. <laughs> Welcome everyone. You cannot do what we're gonna do next week. You totally killed the damn mood. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everyone to Cinemagic Podcast. That's right. uh, you're getting a little preview of what we were actually originally going to do this week, but instead we changed it over to. That's right, suicide. Because spot. we have the power. We have the power. And so like we <laughs> I love that. I ah. love that. <laughs> so like uh our, our good uh producer Brendan over there, he's sending uh Rick Acevedo, my co-host, and myself, Jonathan Gondwal, to talk about this movie. Uh he has put a bomb in our neck, and if we don't give him the best podcast ever, he says he's going to explode it. Uh, mm -hmm. Rick told him to do it. Uh I said nope. Don't worry, uh, I always give my best uh, to all the people out there. So thank you for joining us for another yeah. week. <laughs> so Rick, I know you usually hate my suggestions, okay? <laughs> I, I'm going to start, I, I feel like I need to, hold up, because if we're, if we're going to start it out this way, then I need to, I need to be honest and open. Um, your suggestions are... And for the, la like the last two times, you scored zero of 100. Um, your suggestions have mm -hmm. been absolute shit. Mm -hmm, I love mm -hmm. you to death. You're my friend. Mm -hmm. You're like a brother to me. You're family. Your suggestions, however, have been shit. Literally, one, the first one, I took, it took two days out of my life. It's like I'd been smoking cigarettes nonstop, and I smoked enough cigarettes to lose two <laughs> days of my life that I can no not get back at the tail end of my life. I cannot negotiate that. That time is gone. <laughs> then you proceeded to send me on to a suggestion, which was mortal, all right. It nearly <laughs> killed me from fucking boredom because it was just so damn bad. So when you called me and said you have to watch Suicide Squad, we have to do it on Suicide Squad because we we're going to do it on He-Man. I was... Larry, for two reasons. Number one, I was having a bad week. Number two, I was driving. So I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Jonathan's suggestions never score with me for whatever reason. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll watch it. But it's because, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the power of redemption. <laughs> so having said that, you have, in fact, halfway redeemed yourself with this Woo! one. And I say halfway because I still need to make up for the other shit. So, um, with that, let's tell everybody hey. what we're talking about. Suicide Squad. That's and right. Yeah, we want to give you our impressions before we go into a more spoiler-type uh, impression. So, we're going to start that first. But I'm generally going to go over here and said I did tell Rick. I watched it first because before I usually will decide on something and then we'll watch it kind of around the same time and come on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. So uh, usually it's sight unseen. I haven't seen them when I suggested them to Rick. So this one I actually saw and then suggested. It was like, yeah. <laughs> so this is what Yay. I suggested. <laughs> so uh, to give you just kind of my honest review points out there for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's on HBO, HBO Max or in theaters. Uh, all international listeners use a VPN. If you have HBO Max, look, you can... You can do it, yeah. but uh, <laughs> or see the theaters, whichever one. Uh, but uh, really, um, I, I, I have to say, I loved it. I watched it. I had so much fun with it. I had to call Rick and go, you know what? 
We're doing that this week. I think you'll actually like it. And we have not really talked about the movie yet. So I'm going to hear a little bit more about his. But I watched it. I loved it. I was like, man, I really like this. And all my complaints about the first Suicide Squad kind of disappeared with this one. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it has so it's so much fun. And, and James Gunn brings his kind of just directorial eyes and fun flair with the team up that he did with Guardians of the Galaxy so well to this. And I really, really love it. It had some really good moments in there. Um, if you haven't, if you're on the fence and you're thinking you didn't want to see it, I say see. It is an R rating, so it does have gore. But it is funny, and the splat. gore is not splat. It has a lot of splat. Splat. Yeah, it has Straight a lot of splat. Splat. <laughs> splat. Uh, but it's not like overly gory, like a horror movie or anything. No. I wouldn't say that. Like it's no. definitely it has gore, but it's not like overly gory. Think of it more towards a war movie in the terms of gore. Mm. Um, and it essentially is kind of like this war movie, and it's really fun. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it enthusiastically. Go and watch it. Go and watch it. Uh, get some popcorn up. I don't think you need any alcohol or anything else. I think you'll just have a good time. But if you are drinking during it, I think you'll have a better time too. This is just a fun movie. Bring your friends together. Uh, I, I really like this. And characters that I have in my background, uh, for Rick and I, from Weasel to King Shark. And if you can see me visually, I'm wearing a literal jersey because I'm literally a fan of this movie. Because uh, I wanted to fan out. Uh, I, I say go see it. I loved it. I loved, I loved it. I loved uh, it. I had a lot. I, I will not um, say anything different to that because I really loved it too. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, something that I think um, hopefully people will understand about this uh, movie beyond the fact that it's, you know, it is Suicide Squad and everything and it's got gore and whatever. It is a technical masterpiece. Technical meaning like, you know, the, the, the plot, the points they use to actually advance the story from one yes. angle to the next, you know, things that could not be done. Um, even though literally you're, you had four hours to do it, different story. Not going to talk about that. Um, yes, you're talking about the transition scenes. We're done like beautifully. The... We're done beautifully with title cards that were perfect. We're, I'm not going to go into detail on this just now. And the way that it was shot, a lot of the stuff was incredible. The characters were a lot of fun. Um, I have nothing but love for this movie. Um, and, uh, and I didn't say this before, but the acting was all really good. I just want to the say the acting, acting acting was really good. Um, I was personally a huge fan of, um, it, you know, Idris Elba's character, the uh, you know Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought John Cena was great <laughs> in so many ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's like a really good exp exploration of how those characters sort of work and how the, whole, the entire Suicide Squad team works. And I think everyone served their purposes great and correctly and did exactly what they needed to do. And, um, I, you know, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I have to say that I was very satisfied with what I saw. Yep. And my partner, Amy, and I, when we sat down and watched it on HBO Max, so we watched it at home, uh, we saw we saw the time, and it was like two hours and like 12 minutes, and we both looked at each other originally, and we're like, ugh, here we go again, right? Because these DC movies being overly long, I was afraid of. So if you're looking at the time and going, oh, it's going to be so long, it flies by. It honestly it flies by. It does. It, it, it's such a good time. So I just it, wanted it to. It doesn't feel you know, like two hours and, and 12 minutes. It doesn't even feel. It barely feels like an hour and a half, to be honest. And with honestly, you. it left me wanting more. At the end of it, I was like, I, I could I, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I started watching it, um, I, the initial scene was insane. Um, mm -hmm. The way that this film is shot, it was shot on red cameras and it was shot with these brand new rigs that, um, you know, that were put together where, you know, you see something from one angle and then it just switches to just an entirely opposite angle. Um, I thought that was amazing. Um, the scene with the bird. And, and here's, I think, where we probably are going to start getting into spoilers. Um, well, as a character, because... You know, there are a lot of characters there, obviously. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to keep up with them if they're not, like, mm -hmm. main, salient to the main story. But um, there's, there's 
one of the characters is in prison. I forget what his name is. He's got the long, blonde hair. He's We're like, in spoilers territory, so I'm going to say yeah. this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he basically does this thing where he bounces a ball, and you see this beautiful little bird, and then all of a sudden the bird gets crushed by the ball. And and you know that's a callback. It's I love the opening scene because it's kind of this callback to the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because the, the prison and the music, because they started with a poppy music. It started with some work in a prison scene. So it kind of was like, I was like, oh, man, this is just like another of the first Suicide See, Squad. But with the first Suicide Squad, I I wasn't really a big fan of the first Suicide Squad. It was an action movie. That's really all you can say. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the way they had – because – there was a whole thing about making Harley Quinn a, a much more present character, but you know, in doing that, the worst thing that they could have done was basically introduce like the worst Joker known to man. And I'm sorry, but if anybody tells me that 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 Jared Leto's Joker is good, I'll give you a million reasons why it's not. Um, you he's know, just a, and, he's a punk, and not not to go too much of a tangent here, but no. you know, David Ayer's cut uh, of that original Suicide Squad, which he's gone on record now and said it's completely that, no. different. Uh, he has a cut that's done, unlike, you know, Zack Snyder's. He's like, it's done. It's 100% done. It's gone. He says everything's different, uh, even the way his Joker is used. It finds me because I'm with you because it's hard to believe that the problems with the first Suicide Squad movie, and I'm not saying cuts don't matter, but I don't see how you make that Joker good. I don't care what the cut of that movie is. Like, because they didn't refilm. They just re-edited. You know what I mean? So they didn't refilm. I I think that the idea, I think that the idea generally is that if you have a longer cut or if you have more exposure for a specific character in a cut, that that somehow allows for development of the character's own arc. But when you have a character that's known to be a diabolical genius and all of a sudden he's nothing more than a dime store hood in a pimp club wearing you know like having golden guns and driving a lamborghini that's not the joker the the joker is a far it's a far deeper character than that you know like he's got a grill on this one come on like i'm not all all i know is and i've said this before you know before we get back to the to the movie is like if I ever see Jared Leto, I'll just straight punch him in the face to prove the fact that he's not the motherfucking Joker. And he yeah. can't be the Joker. Like, you have to have depth. And whether yeah. he has it or not is irrelevant to me. He just didn't have it as the Joker. You yeah, know? and I don't see David Ayer's cut solving the Joker no, problem. Like, doesn't. I just don't see how that so- that would solve him. They, so. tried to solve that. they tried to solve that in Justice League, and it still didn't do anything for me, so... <laughs> But it could be because, again, that took time away from my life. Like, I'm going to die sooner thanks to that. But, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, so, sorry to make you go. That's your detainment when you were right, saying yeah, you didn't I'm like sorry, the original Suicide yeah. Squad with the Joker. I just wanted to put that in because I agree with you. And I know for everyone out there, he's going to be like, Ugh. But he, his cut, I'm like, I don't know how yeah. that fixes the Joker. I don't know how it fixes Yeah, I know. With this one, with this one, like, right away, I could see a difference. First of all, in the way that it was mm-hmm. shot. Um, the color, yes. the colors are the same. The color scheme and the and the production design is, is, is the same because it what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it grittier because it's the Suicide Squad. It's not your typical superhero squad. And it's something that's guided by Amanda Waller. So, but I, 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 right away... I disagree with you. The coloring from the first movie to this one was way different. Like, they did the opening scene to kind of be like, look, it's like the older movie... But they differentiated themselves almost immediately. The colors in this, a lot more daytime scenes, more colorful popping from costumes and everything else. Like James Gunn used color. Like it wasn't dark, gritty. It, it in its atmosphere. I don't I, I, see, but dark. I don't consider anything from the first one to be dark or gritty. I think this got the gritty across with the story, which is what it needed to do. I don't consider yes. anything from the first one gritty because that's my point about the Joker. It's like why in the fuck would you give the Joker a shiny-ass outfit and golden guns and having him drive in a purple? That makes no fucking sense to anyone mm-hmm. at all. Um, except for people who, you know, whatever, like that kind of shit. I don't. I've, I've read enough comics to want my characters to actually mean something. Um, <laughs> where I think the, it was completely differently shot so you start seeing this, these angles where it feels like you're almost in there. 
Like holy mm-hmm. shit! Like there's, there's just yeah. something, um, you know, and it was. I love the fact that there was a bit of an unpredictability. You knew that this yeah. was not a continuation, really, of the first one. Like it was, but it wasn't in the sense that it's mm-hmm. like you have similar characters. It is the Suicide Squad. But you're not going to have side stories that go off for five minutes in five minute tangents that make no no sense no, that really don't yep. advance this story, yep. right? I so, you know, and then you're not taking characters like Harley, who was supposed to be developed in the first one but wasn't fully, and then make them depend on the characters that originally made them because Harley's a character that was created for the Joker for the Batman series. It was not originally mm-hmm. a comic book character. So now you're making Harley a, uh, a stronger character without the Joker because the character can stand on its own. And that was mm-hmm. the whole point. If you remember the ending of the first Suicide Squad, it was like, Daddy's home. Oh, now you've yeah. done all this great work to make harley her own character and daddy's home (laughs) like what the fuck is that all about you don't have that it's you now have harley being her own character Mm -hmm. and but you're also giving me other characters that i personally love because i loved um like i said i love blood sport because blood sports like your cool uncle that doesn't give a shit yeah you know, and I can see they wanted Will Smith back. Obviously, he said no, so yeah. Bloodsport was their same same thing, different same <laughs> thing. But I like different. I I like Will Smith char- Will Smith Will Smith's um character in the first film, but yes. I think I like Bloodsport more because Bloodsport is like at first you don't know where to hate him or whether you want to love him to death. Especially in that scene with his daughter, where he's like, "Wait, you got that caught? So you great. got caught?" And it was a fucking watch. Like the argument that they're having, him and great. his daughter at the like towards the beginning. It's like I was like, "Man, this is fucking awesome. This is just yeah. epic." So to take it back, that opening scene that you said, and it's with uh, Michael Rooker's character, the savant. The savant, so, yes. Savant. And so I love, I just love the way that they take him as he's our main character. We open on him, we're through his eyes, we're seeing the rest of the team that were introduced through him. Uh, and really, and we know he's an old hat. And I love that his background, and this is a running joke, his background is a mercenary, right? Who's been raised to use anything in his hand as a weapon. And he's one of the best, like, you know, fighters. Every, it seems like everybody's freaking background. <laughs> and, the, and the coolest thing about that is Idris Elba points that out. He's like, Wait a minute. His thing <laughs> is my thing. Like, what are you talking about? So I love even before she really, it, it first starts with him and her explaining why he is, because he's a leader and a mercenary and weapons are, you know, lethal weapons and explain it there. And then we see our cast of characters who, when I first saw it, uh, of our team, like the Javelin and Pete Davidson with the Rick of the Mouth and Nathan Fillion as TDK and Weasel, my favorite character, Weasel. And I was like, and Harley Quinn comes. I was like, man, this is a bad team. Like in my head, I was like, what are these guys ever going to do? Well, <laughs> but my favorite part with like where Pete Davidson says something about um Is that a dog? Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. And there yeah, <laughs> and then and then the guy's like, No, he's not a dog and he's harmless. I mean, he has killed twenty seven babies. Or 27 yeah, children. Children, yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is too epic for words. Yeah. And I'm but thinking, like, we think he understands what's going on. Yeah. And my whole, thing, my whole thing with that was when they go in, it, the, the, at no point are you given an inkling of the fact that this particular team that you're seeing, with the exception of Harley, is a team of basically just decoys. Well, you see, because you see Rick, Colonel Rick Flagg, if you read the comics or seen the past movie, yeah, he's like yeah. the leader of the Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn is huge. 
Jack Courtney is Captain Boomerang. He's freaking huge. Michael Rooker is an old action star that you're bringing by. You got Nathan Fillion. Like, he's a big star. You're like, you know what I mean? You got Pete Davidson, who's a rising star. So the people they picked in a Fluberg, a Fulaberg as Javelin. So you have people that are known. They're not like unnamed actors or like, you know, these are all people that could be in this movie. You know what I mean? Like all of these people could have been in the whole entire movie. Exactly. And the and the thought process was that these people were going to be in the movie because that's what I came in thinking that's what I'm going to see. But it's like they used that, they wrote that so cleverly. Yes. That the whole time, like it's not until they get to the beach that it becomes this massive clusterfuck and you're like, wait a minute, what's going to happen? Why are they doing this? Uh-uh, uh-uh. It becomes sooner. It's when they drop Weasel in the water and he immediately dies. <laughs> Yeah, and it, what was it? It was um, Savant that goes in and basically saves him, or tries yeah. to save him. Tries to save him, but that's when you knew they were fucked when they dropped him in. Like, you didn't know that Weasel couldn't swim. No one tried to save him. <laughs> immediately dies. I was like, oh man. And I'm thinking that your monster big hitter, right? Like the person who can like probably has superpowers, and he immediately dies. That's when you knew this was not going to go right. And I think that's so cleverly written because it's like everyone's hitting the water. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Weasel just drowns. I mean, it was it was like uh, X-Force in, uh, in Deadpool, basically. And it was and it was that thing. And I was like, oh, my God. this. But then I had an expectation of, okay, what are they going to do next? And that's when they go into the actual story. And to yeah. me, that was really well done. Love the opening. I and, love the opening. And act. then, but at the end, like when you see Warner Brothers presents in blood in the water, that's when I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna love this because nothing about this screams traditional hero movie. Like they understand the oh. characters they have, and they're not trying. And also, like the only mention, <laughs> the only mention they make of like one of the like key DC superheroes is when they say. Oh yeah, he's in here because he shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. It's mm-hmm. like you're not going to see Superman, you're not going to see you're not going to see Batman, you're not going to see any of those characters that would in fact take some attention away from the main characters like mm-hmm. it did in the first one where you have like one or two scenes with Batman and you're like, "Well, wait a minute. Now I want to see more Batman because I love Batman." And yep. he's my hero. So all of a sudden, you're putting me in that situation where I'm forgetting all about um, the fact that I'm watching like basically a superhero movie because I realize that these guys are all criminals that are being forced to be good and not being good of their own volition. Mm-hmm. So there we go. And I'm like, oh. I, I really, that part really f- killed the first I- movie for me too. Yeah. And I and, and the scope of the first movie where it's like save the world, save the world. And this one, I love the scope down that it's just like, no, I just need you to do some black stop stuff. You know, yeah. the thing that the Suicide Squad should be used for, not for stopping Superman, which again, that was the <laughs> stupidest premise from the first one. I cannot believe that's because their team made no sense in stopping Superman from the first one. So I'm glad there's like no mention of that or no even try of that. It's like, listen, I need some stuff done, go and do it. That's basically it. I mean, if, um, if this had been if this had been a Snyder cut, it would probably have been like, uh, "Hey, man! Afterwards, we're all gonna get together at Bruce Wayne's. Martian <laughs> Manhunter's gonna be singing, uh, something like that." Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but but yeah, I I I um. So I love that the scope changed, and I love that opening scene. Like, whatever, it's a distraction. Anyways, now let's get to the real movie, right? Like, and let's meet Bloodsport, and let's like. <laughs> And like, I love the fact that Amanda Waller is so much more calculating because the thing is, yes, to understand the character of Amanda Waller, you have to go way back. Amanda Waller is the original bad bitch. It's like the worst of 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 them all because she's an anti hero, Mm -hmm. and she'll do anything to you know quote-unquote, protect the country, but really, Amanda Waller is all about power. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to, like, Justice League, I'm talking about the cartoons, 
Justice League, you know, Batman and stuff like that. Amanda Waller, I mean, what a brain. So mm-hmm. Amanda Waller in this one is well represented. Yes. In that respect, Amanda Waller is just very calculating. Yes. Does not look threatening physically. Doesn't need to be. She's just yes. insanely calculating, almost heartless. And I love that because every scene that included Amanda Waller in it, I took attention to. Like, I I was paying special attention because you're like, you know, she's got like 27 plans that she's yeah. going to. Like, for you to outsmart her is going to have to be something extreme, which it was, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But... She's just fucking perfect. I mean, perfect. And, and I loved it because it's really that in a sense of like, even when her team's questioning her, like, oh, he really wouldn't have done that to her kid. It's like, you don't know what I would have done. Like, you, exactly. don't, you don't even begin to know what I would have. Like, and it's like to say no to Amanda Waller is like, is like, that's her asking is her being nice. Right? Like, her asking is her being nice. I don't even like, think, I don't even think it's. Her asking is her really asking. It's her really just saying, look, I'm giving you this opportunity because I know full well what I will do to you if you don't take it. Yeah, like, just like Bloodsport. Like, hey, man, join my team. No, okay, here's a visit. (laughs) Like, you know, he turned her down before the visit from his daughter. And like, well, now you're going to do it. I was being nice by giving you the option, right? Like to pretend that you had a choice. That was me being nice to pretend you had a choice. But now I'm gonna do. You're gonna do it anyway. Like no matter what, you're gonna do what I say. I, but here's my trying to help you. I um, what I which love, I love because that's Amanda Waller from the comics and that is the real Amanda Waller. That's how Amanda Waller needs to be all the time. So yeah. you can't. You can't there's very few people that can really understand the complexity of that character if you haven't been watching it from the very beginning or reading it from the very beginning. Like, Amanda Waller is just that one person that you don't screw with. Mm-hmm. Ever. No superheroes, um, no villains, no one really tries to get on Waller's back My side. favorite Amanda Waller line goes back to, I think, the Justice League, where um, Batman says to her something to the effect that like, they were saving some clones, and Batman says to her, Lord, mine, she has all her weapons, and, you know, mine are bigger than yours, and all the superheroes come out and everything. And she looks at him and says, if you do too much prodding, rich boy... You'll find out exactly what real power is. Something like that. And I was that, like, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Like in a cartoon, like you're watching a cartoon show that you watch for action. But the le- the way that lines are delivered is so important on a character. So for me, that's what makes that character in this film great. It was portrayed the exact way that it needed to be portrayed. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then our secondary team I fell in love with from Polka Dot Man to King Shark, who you have in your background for our listeners over there, uh, which was great. I, I do Man. love King Shark and no explanation. Just like in the comics, I know a lot of people have now seen the Harley Quinn cartoon, which I do love uh, on uh, the DC HBO, HBO Max, Max now. Yeah. now. Yep. Uh, and so they gave him more of a background. But in comics, King Shark really doesn't have a background. He's just a shark man that's just there. Like, And I love that the Suicide Squad movie kept up that same thing. They're like, eh, there's a vague backstory, but he's just a shark. Yeah, they gave him the vague backstory, but what I like, where that did not happen here, is the fact, or that did happen here, rather, and it didn't happen in, uh, in, in, the, in the Harley Quinn series, which I also love, was the fact that he, like, Nanawe is, he's like a sweet guy, like a sweet shark guy. Mm. who doesn't understand like he's not really a criminal by heart he just doesn't understand he shouldn't eat people because he's a shark that's just what he does Uh, Mm. nom 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 and to me (laughs) that whole thing is so perfect because it is so earnest like he's just such a nice like just don't piss him off don't shoot him Mm-hmm. Don't piss them off. And right there, they're finding areas wh- where you can actually like and enjoy the characters. 
So they make them relatable because essentially, not relatable, but likable in the sense that when you get a, a kind of a hold of each character's backstory, you know that they're not necessarily, all of them are not necessarily criminals. Mm. For example, Nanawe is a shark. He eats people, that is what he freaking does. He's a man shark, for fuck's sake. But yeah. he doesn't understand that that's wrong. They don't give yep. him enough common sense to know that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Bloodsport is a pay-for-hire hitman that clearly had an abusive relationship. It, you know, was abused as a kid physically and, and treated mm -hmm. poorly by his father. Um, yep. Ratcatcher 2 is the sweetest girl. I love Ratcatcher 2. I love Ratcatcher 2 so I much. I love Ratcatcher 2. I love Ratcatcher Rat 2. Ratcatcher 2. And then Polka Dot Man has mommy issues and an interstellar virus. <laughs> and I love such a fucking Dan, and I love, Talk about filmography. I love all the shots of his mother and how they would closely sleep oh, in and get favorite Polka Dot Man. Oh my god, that was so Such cool. a great way. And they didn't over-abuse it or overuse no. it. They only did it a couple of times, but it was like pointed and perfect. And I was like, man. And it's funny when he's dancing in the club, finally having friends, and they're all his mother. And he's like looking and stopped, and he's like, "I have to keep going." I'm like, oh, no, "I mean, shit, to I me, to me, it was great." And the thing was, that actually made John Cena's character the perfect foil to everybody because he's a mission-driven yes. guy, the peacemaker, mm -hmm. who is a total douchebag. Total like, douchebag. Every time he says or does something, there's very few times where you like him. Like when he says, "Hey, you want to give a, you want to get, you forgot to give the rat a shot," and he's talking about Dexter. Mm. And I love Dexter. Dexter is one of my favorite characters. He's yeah. just so perfect. Yeah, he was great. And like, but you know, John Cena is a total mm. ass rag the whole time, with a few points here and there. So it's just like. You know, you kind of love to, you love everybody else, and you find reasons why you love everybody else. But then you hate John. You love to hate John Cena's character, and I thought he did such a great job of making Peacemaker such a freaking clown. Yeah, I I really like John Cena in this. I love him. Um, love him. Uh, he was just in another big tentpole movie this summer, uh, F Nine, and I'm gonna say, oh, Fast Nine. I said F Nine. I mean, F9, but that's <laughs> But John Cena is way better in this one than he is in the other uh, in the other movie. Like, he is a way better. I was like, yep, this is how... I think he did, just like he did with Dave Bautista in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, I think James Gunn got a ridiculously good, funny performance out of uh, John Cena. I think whatever because, because, you know, it's... It, you got to think about what you're working with. The Drax character in Guardians of the Galaxy is the one character that didn't understand something as basic as sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, took everything in an almost literal sense. This guy is like, I guess it's what Captain America would be if he was a total asshole. Yeah. Just, that is what it is. And... There's just something about that character that you want to like him, but even when he says he would eat all the dicks in the island for peace, you know, you he know, he's a dangerous fucking character. Because he would literally eat all the dicks. He would eat all the dicks. And then uh, something when he says about the tidy whities and he's like, that's so racist. And I was like, what? Wait, what? What did you just uh, say? I just I loved I loved Idris Elba, Bloodsports and um Peacemakers just banter around each other, their hatred because again, they're all the same dudes. Uh, and I like that running joke, they're all with the same set of like skills. And he's like, he's like, I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you, I'll use tinier bullets. And I love that that came in at the end too. That I to love me, that all of the cycle. The favorite line, one of my favorite lines, something about the tiny bullets like only when it's the dopest thing ever. Yes! And he was like, damn! <laughs> like, and he drew a like, this whole time, and, that, and that's another thing about the cinematography, like, when they're having their, like, kill-off, basically, mm. 
Um, you know, like, I kill him one way, I kill him one way, I kill him mm -hmm. one way, shoot the phone in the tub, blah, 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 do this, do that, do this, do that. And I was just like, holy shit, the way this <laughs> is being shot, there's such continuity, it almost seems like it's being done all entirely in one shot because of yep. the movement of the cameras and the pannings and this and that. And I was just enthralled by that right up until he says that line because you think this is going to go on for a while and finally it's the douchebag that gets the win with, yes. of all things, quote, the dopest thing ever. And it was pretty cool. And it was dope. It was fucking dope. <laughs> that the character in there had to admit it was dope. He, uh, had, yeah, even, he had to admit it was dope even though he like, hated oh, it. you're right, you're right. Yeah, he just piece uh, I, and again i think when you say this is a war movie because i've heard people characterize it and i agree as more of a comedic war movie uh than a straight up action movie i'm like yep because i'm thinking of that shot and that would feel like you go into a village to fight insurgents or something else you know what i mean or, or yeah. whatever to fight the nazis or whatever uh, and it's kind of shot in this like one-way gristle but they're just having fun because they're villains like it's a comedic war movie uh and so i, I yeah. think it's beautifully shot in that way i i don't i don't just think that it's beautifully shot in that way i think i like the fact that they took the time to have a b story which is about the freedom of corda maltese and stuff like that mm -hmm. just to add they, they didn't over uh go into it but i think they did a good job of saying you know this is um you know this is the b story this is why they're going in there this is the mission okay mm. don't forget about the mission um and i love how they basically got rid of the leaders and set up democracy without doing it like that that was not that was not, the intention. Not that was not the that intention that was not the intention but i love i love the starro reveal mm -hmm. where the dude um wakes up he's like hey waller we got a fucking kaiju up here <laughs> that is, uh, no it's excellent and I, I did like it. i like the star reveal i love the thinker i love the commentary on american foreign policy that they've kind of had especially during the reagan era uh, mm -hmm. that was going in because they did that little dig with the superpowers and the cold war setting up starro and mm -hmm. you know paying people to do america's dirty work I know you being Puerto Rican, you know that as there's bases on Puerto Rico that America used to test weapons on. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, that worked nice. Yep. Uh, so you know, I love, yeah, I, I love that commentary mm -hmm. uh, that they kind of brought in too. So even in this lighthearted movie, uh, so they brought in all this commentary. They brought democracy, so shining America. Even though Harley Quinn just, and I loved Harley Quinn's speech. Uh, Harley Quinn just did not want to date another Joker. Right, because I kind of love that speech where she just upright and kills the president because she's like, "Well, I promised myself." <laughs> but it's also the way. But it's also. But it's also the way that she says it that really uh, makes me laugh my ass off. Which is like, you know, killing children kind of a red flag. Like she says it in a very sort of yeah, but you know, in a kind of a roundabout way, this isn't right. Yep. So to and, me, that was hilarious. And it gave the closure that I think that they wanted to do on Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn and Joker. I think that whole little storyline, like here's a dude who treated her like a princess, promised her the world, you know what I mean? Uh, the way she wanted Joker to treat her, but still is like, no, I can't be with another bad guy. I've moved on. I'm doing better. And it kind of gives you that closure and allows her to move forward without having to make it, I don't know, the whole movie. Like, you know, anything else like that you can just make it a little piece of it, grow her character and have it move forward. I actually really liked what they did with Harley. But I think the one thing that I really like and how, may, how I feel that they tied it to Birds of Prey and did a better job of it is that they essentially eliminated everything that happened in the first fucking uh, Suicide Squad. Because think about this. You have Birds of Prey, and that's after she breaks up with Joker. She's not really in the Suicide Squad, because if she were, she'd be dead. So you can just assume that she was arrested and then brought into the Suicide Squad, and it makes us forget all about that atrocity of a Joker and uh, this other shit from the first Suicide Squad that, quite frankly, just didn't sit well with me, because I was just like, whatever, dude, this, isn't, this is not good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is taking yeah, no. a character with potential 
and killing it off by essentially saying that the Joker needs to be a part of her story arc every fucking time she's featured. When realistically, yeah. you couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, and that's it. Because really, that's the addressing the Joker in the room is uh-huh. really her speech. She was addressing the Joker in the room. But it's not the beginning of her character. It's not the end. You know, it's a little piece that's like, oh, man, I'm really glad to see that you grew and you moved on and kept doing shit. So I really I really liked what they did with Harley in this one. I think mm-hmm. I liked it better than what they did with her in Birds of Prey and, of course, the first Suicide Squad. I think they're getting her character right to be crazy zany mm-hmm. on her own in the sense that uh, even the Harley Quinn show, which I do like, is very much centered still on Joker, like um, the the animated show. It's still very yeah, much they're centered. still they're still featuring Joker prominently. We're here, you see her in that one scene uh, in Court of Maltese where she absolutely just demolishes pretty much an entire army of people, mm. <laughs> and then does like really cool shit. Like she grabs a javelin and all, and when she's done, takes a taxi. About to mm-hmm. take a taxi, she says like, "Hola," and then. Sees them about to go rescue her, and he's like, "Oh, that is so sweet." Do, do you want? I can go back up. It's like I've killed everybody, but I can go back up. <laughs> like sure. Uh, you know? As peacemaker is about to kill like a servant woman, because he does not care. Peacemaker, <laughs> peacemakers. Um, I gotta say the battle between him and Flag, and the fact that he killed Flag. And, I mean, you see literally the thing going into the heart and the, the heart just bleeding out and all that shit, which I thought was a great, great visual. Mm. What I thought was Peacemaker was really wrestling with his conscience at that point. Mm-hmm. He's still very much all about the mission, but you see certain human characteristics to, to Peacemaker at that moment. Just yeah, and even with Ratcatcher too, when you know he's like, "Don't make me do this," like you know, just give it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then when he still has to kill her at the end, it's so like, he's like, "Yo, but I'm thorough," and that's when you know, like, I was like, "Oh, that's when you pass the line of being an asshole." Is when you didn't have totally. to kill her. Like, Actually, the the funny thing to me was that at the end of the day, um, he was definitely Waller's ace in the hole. Yep the whole time but the best thing when waller is about to basically just ice the entire squad yes the girl comes up behind her knocks her the fuck out just knocks her out mm-hmm. all right and then starts saying okay here's what we need to do and then the entire crew just bands together with the Suicide Squad, and then gives them enough time to basically do what they're going to do. And I mean, the Battle of Starro, the Battle with Starro was an incredible sequence just all the way through to the very end. What I will say, though, is when Waller says to Bloodsport at the end, Dubois, I told you I was going to make a leader out of you. And I'm like, holy shit, you can't tell me that she actually foresaw this. (laughs) Dear God. (laughs) It's she like, said it in the beginning. She's like, you have the skills to bring it together. You'll make a great leader and make these decisions that you be. She said what she said. She saw it. It, it was so cold-blooded that you're like, holy shit. You, you know, she's right. She did that. Like, wait, yep. was that a part of her? Like, was she really doing that? Yeah. The whole time you're no just No matter what that. for Waller, this was a win. This was a win for Waller no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Um, I, It just... it makes that character all that much stronger because she's not a hero she's not a villain she's pretty much a a device that's essentially keeping the world alive and i mean one of the greatest reveals really in in dc history is the batman beyond reveal um which was really the wrap-up for batman beyond and justice league and she talks about how you know the greatest superhero in her mind was batman and as a result, she, you know, created the project Batman Beyond. You're like, Waller, to me, is like such a cerebral character. Such a unique yeah. character. And it's, to put her in this setting, it's like it brings the whole shit together, honestly. Yeah, and I had no problem with Viola Davis in the first one. I just thought they underutilized her and didn't use her well. Because again, I think they used her right now. I think they used her right now. And I think, yes, and they yeah. used her right right now. 
the I was like, Amanda Waller is a bitch you do not want to cross. And I'm saying bitch because that's what Amanda Waller is in the comics. Wasn't, it, um, wasn't Angela Bassett Amanda Waller at one point in one of the in one of the DC things? I don't recall which one, but I think she did. She may have it. voiced. She may have voiced one. I think she also did one live, but I'm not sure. I. I don't think Amanda Waller's been in it. I, I may be wrong. I haven't seen the extended version of Batman versus Superman or some other Zack Snyder shit, so who knows. Uh, but, no, I don't uh, think it was the Zack Snyder stuff. Um, so and, gonna, and even I'm if you say... had seen Zack Snyder stuff, you would remember it because stuff that you want to forget. Um, yeah, yep. so that's what it would be. I don't I don't believe so, but I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Uh, tell, us, tell us, listeners, uh, go on Instagram, let us know. Uh, Triscalium Productions, at yeah. Triscalium yeah, let us know who if um, there was an Angela Bassett, Amanda Waller, because I just so as we're getting into this, because like forty five minutes, we've just been gushing over everything. What was your favorite part of the movie? Favorite, and then we'll kind of go. Or should we start with least favorite and then go to favorite? I don't have a least favorite. I'm sorry, I can't tell you something that I that I just because I don't have a least favorite. Everything was so everything was so well paced. That I can't tell you that I have a least favorite part. Well, I do. I needed more weasel. So. <laughs> That's weasel's my favorite character. I just need more weasel. Uh, That's not an actual complaint. Ah, 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 ah. I, I, love, I love weasel. I love weasel so much. So. I know, he, was <laughs> he was good. Uh, so yeah, we'll go with uh, we'll go with the favorite moment and maybe a favorite Suicide Squad member from either squad, A or B squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I know who who yours is gonna be. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. All right. So my my um, favorite uh, member was Nanawe, the King Shark, because Nanawe is like a big kid and also insanely violent. Which I love both mm-hmm. things about. So he he would have to be my favorite character for those two reasons. And I thought, how cool is it that Sylvester Stallone at seventy plus years of age can pull this off? I was like, you should get a freaking <laughs> give him an Oscar or something, man. I mean, he's just doing some Rocky after getting hit. Huh? Yeah, Adrian, no, no way. Yeah. And, and? <laughs> <laughs> I love reading the book upside down. And other, I, I did. I love. And now I King Shark. He was. I, he was such a standout character. Yeah, he, he was. Great. He was. Yeah, it doesn't beat my weasel. <laughs> just Weasel's in very few scenes. I just really love Weasel. Uh, I thought it was just. He was just an hilarious background character that eats children. That I have no clue what the hell that was about. I want to have to do some investigating because I don't recall Weasel. Honestly, I don't recall. I, I, I think he's just made for this. I just think it's hilarious. I just think that you know Weasel is hilarious. Uh, and so Amy and I, my partner, we were taking bets on who's going to survive um, in the movie. Uh, and the opening scene when they originally saw the scene, and I said, Weasel, I'm like, Weasel's surviving to the end. She's like, Nope, he's gonna die. And when he immediately died, I was like, Oh, damn, <laughs> I lost. And I was so excited in the post credit scene when he came back, because I was like, I won, Weasel lived. <laughs> I was super excited. Uh, but besides that, I'm actually gonna give it out to Ratcatcher 2, who's probably the heart of this film. Yeah, uh, she had yeah. so many sweet moments, so cool. Almost survived getting eaten by a shark by just not even waking up, uh, and then befriending the shark. I just think that, uh, for a heart, uh, it was so good. And I think that her unique power is friendship. She makes friends with rats and friends with everybody else. So I kind of just like that her power is friendship. Yeah, so. it's a, it is the power of friendship. All right, so my favorite moment. God, that's a hard one. That's there are really... so many. <laughs> there are too damn many, but I, I am going to pick one because we have to. Um, probably involving Ratcatcher when she decides, okay, look, I've had enough of, of Starro and his bullshit. And she protects um, Idris Elba. Mm. Yep. I, I did like that conversation between them too about like you yeah. know I'm gonna save you and she's like no I'm gonna save you and they both did they saved they each other I thought yeah she yeah. saved his soul or she saved his life and soul and he saved at one point her life yep. which I thought really made it um, it was it was great man 
It was it was yeah, just I agree. great. My favorite, and I'm gonna say this is uh, comedy comes in threes, but I'm gonna say the tiny book, right? Because it's the what was that? When I say comedy comes in three, because a lot of this James Gunn uh, writing, he he was setting things up and then you know pay him off in the third. Yeah, time. pay them off. So the yeah. tiny bullet moment, which was set up beforehand, which was set up even before that about being a great shot, and then they got into the tiniest bullets because he's a better shot. With the tiny bullet being a better shot, is what's needed. And so I love that moment with the tiny bullet. And when Peacemaker's like, how did you do that? Tiny bullet. Like, he won at the end, even though he just lost the cool off when they were killing everybody But I beat you at your own thing, which had to have hurt your ego. Yes, Um, I love it. And I think that was just a funny callback. I love all the callbacks, but I love that callback of the tiny bullet. I just love the callback of the tiny bullet because it was such an innocuous line and something to not even think of to actually be the savior of everything. It's like... Tiny bullet. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing too. Because when Peacemaker said it, I thought it was stupid. He's like tiny bullets, like fucking stupid. And that's actually what saved the day. Was a tiny bullet that he, even though he already told him it was stupid, you know he already had that. Bloodsport must already had tiny bullets. He didn't just yeah. make it. Yeah. So he already had tiny bullets. So he was like, uh huh, whatever, dude. Tiny bullets, and actually used it against him. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I do like that. I thought that was hilarious. So, yeah, I I could probably pick about five or six more moments, but honestly, you know, we'll be here for a while. I absolutely loved, um, just in, in my last looks and my last impression of it, um, it was a lot of fun. There was no pretentiousness there. I, I feel that, you know, it was, it, it, it's kind of like Doom Patrol for, t- for film. Yes. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, that's what I enjoyed about it. It did not offend me in any way. Like, if they were using, um, you know, transitions, and basically they told you what this next moment is going to be, and what, and, you know, they're doing it in the background, and it's kind of cool, mm-hmm. and it's not this pretentious uh, story moment one epilogue the shit that doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever dash number three like it wasn't being that it was fun you were like holy shit this is like this is some great usage of effect here yeah um i I I loved it i really think this was like and I know this is not true, but I really feel like this is James Gunn Joan, like, yeah, I'll show you how to do these movies, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be like this is how you have fun with them. This is how you can make it adult, rated R. Because, you know, Zack Snyder things like, oh, I want to make them rated R and superhero for grownups and shit. And, and so James Gunn did that, right? He made it rated R. He made it a gritty, because it is a gritty war movie. Like, he made it that. But it's but fun. Was fun. It was fun. And the characters were fun and exciting, and it was fun. It was just fun. And holy crap, DC needed some fun. Like, I think the animated movies, they have tons of fun. The shows, they have tons of fun. But on films, they haven't had fun. They're always too serious. And because, this was nice to be like, they focus, you fun. The problem is, is when, you, when your focus shifts into the darkness of every character, you know, I get that Batman is a dark character, so he's not supposed to have fun. But why is Superman supposed to be the like Superman's not supposed to be the lamest freaking character you ever had? Even in mm-hmm. the original Superman, Christopher yep. Reeve comes back, gets his powers back, beats the shit out of that guy in the bar, and he's like, "I've been working out." That <laughs> was a little bit a little bit of levity. It's not to say that yeah. you're turning the fucking thing into a slapstick comedy. It's just that know what you're working with. You know, like, not every fucking thing is supposed to be dark. Because if everything is dark and it's supposed to overwhelm everything else, it's like, why am I even watching this, man? I'm like, I could be having a shitty week and I'm just going to make it shittier by sitting down and watching some four-hour, you know, gigantic pile of ass. Yeah. And all the characters are dark. I mean, helly hell, Bloodsport literally yelled at his young daughter when she was going through problems. He literally forgetting forgetting caught not even caught. because she was doing it and it, it, it was such a funny thing it was like you got caught stealing a stupid watch 
Yeah. Dad, you can watch TV on. And she's like, that's not the point. It can do other things, too. And he wanted her to go to jail at one point, too. He told her, well, ah, let her go to jail and toughen her up. Like, he literally is not a, you know, model parent. You no. know what I mean? Like, like uh, so Bloodsport was dark. Harley had dark moments. Everybody is dark, but they didn't need to just be, I'm dark, I'm remorse, so therefore I'm killing every." You know, like, it's like, oh, man, just have some fucking fun. And I'm so glad this movie, of all of it, was just fun. The whole thing with TDK, when they employ TDK out on the beach, and they're like, it's TDK, and all he does is detach his arms and slaps people. That was hilarious. And the, that fact, was hilarious. And the fact that when he's getting shot, he's getting <laughs> shot in the arms. And the arms are detached. He's like, ah! And, like, the whole thing was so good. It's so good! But it's so much fun, and I, I really think that it needed that. I'm super excited um, I know the box office returns on Friday wasn't too good, but I'm hoping that um, it, it, it picks up or the streaming numbers are phenomenal. Um, I think and that at this point, it's probably, it's probably more going to be a big streaming thing. And I think in part, it's because, you know, because of the spike in COVID and things like that, people probably just don't want to risk it. I yeah. will say this. I would, uh, you know, wear your mask, do whatever you need to do, but also th- see it in a theater if you want to. Be safe, practice mm-hmm. proper procedures. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be a lot of fun, a lot Got of it. fun. Yeah, this this movie is fun. I hope they make more. Um, James Gunn did it again. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I like this one. I'm I'm I'm, I'm usually a fan of James Gunn. Yeah, so, same uh, here. This is another one in his win column for me. Uh, I, I I enjoyed all of it. Um, I'm 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 glad that I can watch a DC movie and I hate myself. So that is Vinge. <laughs> that feels good. Well, Mortal Kombat wasn't DC. No. And you should Wonder hate Woman yourself. 1984. And you we, we didn't do it on the podcast. Wonder Woman 1984, which was like uh, I wasn't a fan. Um, I feel like yeah. whatever everything that the first one did right, that second one did, did wrong. It was yep. just you know. Yeah, exactly. The first one was phenomenal, and the second one was just not. It was just. Uh, it's just. I've such a, the one a piece of advice that I would give anyone is like, don't try to go back in time just so that you can explain where you're at in time now because it's not necessary. No. It's just not no. necessary. Like they wanted so badly to cover '80s things like the Invisible Jet, and all this other shit, and I'm like that stuff doesn't play well in film. It play great in cartoons, but it doesn't play well in films. Like it's not something that you really need an explanation for. And I thought Pedro Pascal's character was just lame as fuck. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're trying to do quote unquote invisible cars and everything now by using reflective mirrors to go on myself. You know, to look at the surrounding. That is James Bond came up with it, but it's literally stuff that we're practicing. You could have just done that now with Wonder Woman. He didn't go to 84. But he could have literally just used modern technology to make her visible jet. It's easier to accept now as a technology thing than it is to put it back in 84 and do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, um, no, I wouldn't have gone back to the 80s. I would have just set it in, in present times and just, you know, fixed the story to where it wasn't so obvious where everything was just obvious like it was gonna be an obvious thing was gonna happen i i don't know wasn't my cup of tea bad bad villains i don't i don't terrible villains again you know it's it's what you're given to 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 work with and i think even if you have good actors and stuff like that and i think pedro pascal's a good actor but i think just he what he didn't have there's the material isn't there you can't make it work if it's not there yeah you you can't do anything Pedro Pascal's no. a phenomenal actor. I, I love mean, almost everything. I, I love him in the in the in the Mandalorian, and I love him in Narcos, and I think he's yep. great. But you know, getting back to to this one, I thought this was fantastic. I loved it. Yep. I had a lot of fun with it. You know. Yeah. So you know, as as we're hitting the hour mark, I think we could just talk about this movie for two hours, and it's all just going to be recounting all the scenes we love. But if you've made it this far and haven't watched it, go and watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, go and watch it. Um, I'm probably going to watch it again myself because uh, I really did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, my partner and I had a lot of fun with it, so we can't wait to watch it. Just again, it's a lot of fun. I like seeing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think it's fun. 
Um, and so uh, thank you everyone for being here on Cinema Magic Podcast with another week. Uh, we're going to do original podcast uh, that we're going to do this week. He-Man, if you have not seen it, we want to go into it because we are fans of uh, old uh, 80s cartoons. You, mm-hmm. you probably heard us talk about them. Uh, He-Man especially. And so we want to talk about He-Man and kind of just, you know, go into all of these remakes and reboots and updating these things and maybe give some tips and story tips there as well. But, uh, <laughs> but first we want to do this one. Uh, as well, we can now see, I believe, at the point of this, I may be wrong, but Boy School is on Tubi. It, I think it is, and if it, if not, I think it's going to be there within the next week or two. Um, yes. But Boy School, um, you know, it's is it will be on Tubi. That's right. Yes. And you can still find searching for better. And a big shout out, and a big shout out to our distributor, uh, J Twenty Nine Eleven Media, specifically uh, Vivian Reynoso for accomplishing that. Um, you know, thank you, Vivian. We greatly appreciate you. So much love to you. Much love to you. So tell us how you're liking everything. Uh, we've been out filming for our next project, and we can't wait to tell you about. So as usual, I guess we have to give them a hint. Yeah. Uh, I know. I, I know. I think I gave the biggest hint uh, last time. It was like. And, I, and I'm looking at our Instagram. No one has solved it yet somehow, but um, with my my greatest hints. So, mm-hmm. so you you, you want to do a hint? Um, do two hints. I'll give two hints. Okay, one is Weasel. Okay. What's, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the second one? Oh, King Shark. I'm gonna take yours. <laughs> Uh, that's you can't do that to him, man. That's wrong. Um, okay, so my first hint, um, lamp. Mm-hmm. Lamp. Did I get that? Did and I then, that? and then my second hint, um, sand. Ooh, that's a good hit. I like that. That's a good yeah. hint. That's a good hint, and if uh, uh, I can't wait to see the uh, Wikipedia Reddit page of all our hints, and, uh, see who puts them together. <laughs> and then, and then there's, um, no, nah, I'm not. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that later. I'll, I'll save this one for next week. <laughs> so we'll see you next week on Cinemagic Podcast. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Bye bye bye. bye. bye.